Turn in your Bibles. No, before we do that, let me do something else. I need, how many ushers we got here in the building right now? Ushers? Ushers? I need ushers to help me with something. If at the close of this service, during the altar call, if there are teenagers that are disruptive and not paying attention and talking to the person next to them, ushers, I need you, and this is not on you, this is on me, every parent's hearing me say this right now, I need you to go and lightly tap them on the head <laughs> and say, don't be doing that. Now, parents, if you don't like that, all I can tell you is you're going to have to lump it <laughs> because during an altar service, and I cannot see what's all going on, and there's no way that I'm going to allow people to be disruptive during any time, but particularly during that time. Everything about this church, from the moment somebody drives into the parking lot till they walk through the front door and go to a class, and they go into this service, and they hear the song service, and they hear the announcements, and they, and they uh, hear the sermon, all of that is geared toward one moment in this service, and that happens to be the altar service. So, that's just where I stand with this. I'm not going to allow people to be disruptive during, particularly during that time. All right, that's just how I am. That's, imagine having to live with me all the time. I mean, there are parents here that threaten their kids by, I'll make you go stay with Mark. You want to stay at Mark's house? You know, like I'm the boogeyman or something. Go to 1 Peter, the book that Simon, 1 Peter, that, uh, first book that Simon Peter wrote. Let's go to that book, 1 Peter chapter 1. Last week, we looked at two verses in that same chapter. Today we're going to look at two more verses in that same chapter. 1 Peter chapter 1, 18 and 19. We're looking at prized possessions, and today we're going to look at precious blood. Are you there? For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Now, let me crunch those two verses closer together. Listen as I read. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Father, we ask and pray, God, for your help during this message, your help, dear God, in the sending and also the receiving of this word. In Jesus' name, amen. Where the thought of this came from was Monty Dash when he told me, probably a month before he had passed away and went on to be with the Lord, his comment to me on more than one occasion was, there are people trying to figure out 
what their prized possessions are in life. He said, if you go through what I go through, you figure out in a real fast hurry what your prized possessions are. And he said, it is precious faith. And I got to looking that up, and I seen that Simon Peter used that word more than anybody in the Bible. And what we want to look at today is precious blood. And I want you to catch this first words that we spoke here in, in verse 18. For as much as you know. For as much as you know. A man was asked to go, by his, to, to go with his friends on a sailing adventure. How many have ever been on a sailing boat? I think that would be an awesome deal because I'm always, you always see it in the movies where people got to duck their head, you know, to keep from getting hit. And I'd like to try that, you know, without getting a headache, see what that'd be like. But a guy had never been sailing. His, all of his buddies were real good at it. Yeah, yeah, I'll go. He got real nervous about that. It was two months down the road when he was going to finally go, and he just got to, it just, it just, it just consumed him. Lord, I don't know nothing about sailing. I, I'm so afraid of this. And, and what if I make a fool of myself? And, and I don't know nothing about sailing. And every day, that's why you pray. Lord, I just don't have any peace about this. I mean, what, what do I do? Finally, the Holy Spirit, he said, just kind of welled up within him. Don, go and buy a book on sailing. That's what he done. He went out and spent about $20, $25 on this big book on sailing, and he started reading that. He started studying that. He started putting time in that. He knew what the stern was and the bow and all of that. He knew in intricate detail what it was to be able to go sailing. For as much as you know. I am not nearly as knocked off course now, 30 years after the fact, 30 plus years after the fact of me receiving Jesus as Lord is my life, the devil has got a rougher time now discouraging me, has a rougher time now getting me off track, has a rougher time now trying to steal my faith than he did when I first begun because for as much as you know. This is why you hear it from me time and time again. Read two chapters a day. Well, I just don't know if I can do that. Read one chapter a day then. But get in the book for as much as you know. You've got to know some things. Well, you know, God will just bring it to my remembrance. Not if you haven't remembered it to begin with. <laughs> Hard to bring it to remembrance if you haven't remembered it to begin with. For as much as you know, for as much as you know about this precious faith, for as much as you know about this precious blood, and I can guarantee you the more you know, the more confident in who God is in your life, that is going to well up within your life. God said, my people are destroyed for lack of ability. No, he didn't. My people are destroyed for lack of money. No, he didn't. He said, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. 
And when you know what God says about something, it gives you the knowledge. This Bible is a book about redemption. And you open it up anywhere, and it's red with blood. And I know that does not go down well with the sense and sensibilities that a lot of people have, but that is God's prescription and remedy for sin is the blood of Jesus Christ. John the Baptist looked at Jesus and said, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. In Milan, Italy, there is a huge cathedral, and when you walk in, it is stained glass windows, and each window is a different portrayal of something in the Bible. And it shows Adam and Eve, and they're pointing. And the next picture, it would show Abraham, and he's pointing. And the next picture, as you follow your gaze on around, it shows Isaiah pointing, and Jeremiah pointing. All the prophets pointing. And then it gets to the New Testament, and it shows John the Baptist pointing. And he's saying, behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. That's what the whole book is about. It's about redemption. If the world's problem would have been money, God would have sent an economist. If the world's problem would have been technology, God would have sent a scientist. The world's problem was one of not being redeemed. So what did God do? He sent a redeemer. Thank God that he did. And the early church, they knew the concept of redemption. Because within the early church, every church had slaves that was in that church. Every church had freed men and women that were in that church that had somehow got their freedom. And then every church had free men and women who had never been slaves. They knew what redemption was about. They knew that someone could purchase someone else and then by that very act, if choosing to, free them from that slavery. That's redemption. I've used this before. Sorry, Brenda, but I'm going to use this again. The little boy that had built a little sailboat, and on the bottom of that, he carved his name in that boat. And him and his buddies were out one day after the rains had went through and had flooded all the cities and all the, where they lived and, and all of the streets and, and the, all the ditches was full. And they was playing with their little toy boats. And this kid's boat got away from him. And he ran after, but it, just, it was just too fast. It got plumb away from him. Two weeks later, he's walking past the pawn shop and he sees his toy boat. And he walks in and he says, picks it up. There's his name. He walks up to the, the, the probably one of them Pawn Star guys. Man. <laughs> Hopefully it wasn't Chumley. <laughs> Gosh. That boy needs help. <laughs> and he said, this is my boat. My name is on the bottom of this boat. And the guy said, you got to redeem it. What do you mean? It's my boat. No, it's mine now. You got to redeem it. What do you mean redeem it? You got to buy it back. And the kid had to dig into his pocket and he bought his boat back. 
what God done with all of us. We had to be redeemed. We bore God's name in us. We are made in his likeness, but we had been lost. And God had to purchase us back. And what did he use? The most precious commodity in the universe. The blood of his son. Oh, well, that's no big deal. You cut yourself this week and you tell me how big a deal. Oh, 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 I'm bleeding, I'm bleeding, I'm bleeding, I'm bleeding. I got to get that stopped. Why is that? Your life. The Bible says the life of the flesh is in the blood. That's how precious of a commodity it is. Now, let me shift gears here and tell you about an Old Testament prophet by the name of Hosea. Hosea was born and lived during the time that Rome was founded, that Carthage was founded. The Phoenician people basically owned the Mediterranean Sea. The Assyrians could come in just any time they wanted and would attack the Israeli people. Israel had in 20 years four kings that had been assassinated. Add to all of this the turmoil in Hosea's own home. See, Hosea married a woman that it was rumored that she was a harlot. Hosea had three children with this woman. And after the third, she ran off. And Hosea never stopped loving her. Can I add something to that? It don't matter what any of us do, God never stops loving us. Amen. See, your capacity to do wrong and to hurt the heart of God is not as big as God's capacity to love you. God's capacity and ability to love me is far greater than my capacity and ability to hurt him. And Hosea went out looking for her. He searched for her. Just like God went searching for Adam and Eve. And God went searching for Noah. And God went searching for King David when he had so grievously sinned against God. And God went searching. Hosea went searching. And Hosea one day found her on the auction block probably a haggard mess of what she once was like. And the Bible describes what he used to buy her with. Some coins in his pocket and some bushels of barley. She wasn't worth much. But she was worth everything to Hosea and everything that he could get as he went from city to city and finally found her. He purchased her back. That's what redemption is all about. Whether it's the little boy with the boat 
or whether it's Hosea purchasing his own wife back, or it's God through the gift of his son, Jesus Christ, through the graciousness of that, of being willing that the most precious price known to humankind, God's own blood, so that we could be born again. Redemption is precious blood, precious blood. Hosea redeemed her. Did she deserve it? No. Did I deserve it? No. Do you deserve it? No. But thank God for it. Wednesday, I had my blood drawn. And it's always the same deal every time. I won't hurt you. Yeah, sure, whatever. And she, I mean, I bragged on her afterwards. I said, hey, you didn't. That was, but it's always, you know, do this and pump up your arm. And I hate that feeling. And I've never seen it happen because I'm always going like this. And she goes, I'm done. Oh, good. And then a few days later, I get a phone call about, all right, this is what, this is what Dr. KKAC says you've got to do. And I ain't going to go into what I got to do. <laughs> you know what that tells me? My blood says something about me. They can tell things about me because of my blood. You know what? I found out this to be true within the Bible. We can tell a lot about Jesus because of his blood. I mean, we know that he's innocent. Listen to the words of Judas. I have betrayed innocent blood. We know Jesus is innocent. There ain't another human being on the planet you can say that about. None. None. He didn't even have the germ of sin within him. You say, you pick up a little baby, and, and oh, that baby's so innocent. Not really. Not when you get right down to it. Mm-mm. You know why I know that? Have you ever realized that, and, and parents, you know this, you don't have to teach your kid how to be bad. You've got to teach them how to be good. They know how to be bad all by themselves. They've never seen anybody lie, but they're told to stay out of that cookie jar, and they're eating that cookie and crumbs all over their face. Have you been in the cookie jar? Mm-mm. Never seen anybody lie before. What is that? Theologically, that's called the Adamic nature, the nature of Adam that's within us all, the germ of sin that's within us all. Jesus didn't have that because you get that from your dad. In Adam, all men die. I got my nature to sin from my dad. He got it from his dad, and that can be traced all the way back to Adam. But Jesus didn't have that. That's why that Judas could say, I betrayed innocent blood. Jesus was perfect. I, listen to the words of Pontius Pilate, I find no fault within that man. I can't say that about anybody in this building. And you're all thinking, well, you know, I can't say that about anybody on that platform. 
That's true. That's true. Continue on. First Peter chapter 1. Simon Peter said, the precious blood of Christ. First John chapter 1. The blood of Jesus, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. That blood is cleansing sin. Isn't that a paradox? Because you get blood on something, you usually say, oh no, I got blood on something. It's that Jerry Seinfeld skit where he talks about on the TV commercial. Uh, I got blood on my blouse, and now I've got to, I'm going to use Tide to get it out. He said, man, if you've got blood all over your blouse and you're worried about your laundry, what's going on here? He said, you need to be getting that blood stopped. It's funnier when he tells it, but he's a professional. <laughs> Acts chapter 20, he has purchased us with his own blood. Romans 5, being now justified by his blood. Ephesians 1, in whom we have redemption through his blood. Revelations 13, listen, his blood is even eternal blood. Because listen what it says, the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. This is some heavy things and heavy stuff we're talking about. If we're ready with that clip, let's show that. it that bad it was worse than that the Old Testament prophet said his face was marred more than any other man it was worse than that precious blood the guy had his dog he had him a six pack of beer he had his rod and reel and his fishing tackle and went out on the lake. And he's trying to fish and his dog starts barking. He told the dog, shut up. And the dog kept barking. And the guy had a little axe that was there in his fishing tackle. He told that dog to stop barking. That dog kept barking. 
That man took that dog's paw and cut off one of his paws and threw that paw in the water. And the dog screaming and yelping, he took the other and cut off that. Took the third paw, cut it off. And he took the fourth paw and cut it off. And then he took the dog and he threw the dog in the lake and the dog drowned. None of that about the dog happened. But you feel more sadness about the dog than what you do knowing that the Lord died for all of our sins. You know why that is? We get used to that picture. We get used to that story. And God help us, we never should. We should never get used to that, to know that God did his best to save us. Redemption. This story is set in Britain years and years and years ago, hundreds of years ago. It's during the time of the bloody rule of General Oliver Cromwell. A young man was to be hanged on the gallows at the first sound of the evening church bell, which signaled the end of the day, curfew. His girlfriend, who loved him very much, tried desperately to save his life. She pled with the judges who simply shook their heads no. When she appeared before the magistrates, they would not even answer her questions. She even went to General Cromwell himself. Nothing did any good. Execution day arrived. Toward sunset, the young man was brought to the gallows on the village green. He could see the ranks of soldiers and officers resplendent in their brilliant uniforms. In the shadows, the silent village folk were huddled together. Near the gallows stood Oliver Cromwell, his face hard as steel. The noose was slipped around the young man's neck and tightened. The guard stepped back just as the sun began to dip beyond the hills. The young man bowed his head and waited None of them saw the young lady that was racing toward the church. She climbed the stairway to the belfry. When the stone-deaf bell ringer began pulling on the heavy rope to ring curfew, she leaped out and clung to the tongue of the bell to muffle its sound. As her body swung back and forth, slamming into the metal sides of the bell, she was bruised and bloodied. Finally, the bell ringer stopped ringing the bell. The young lady painfully climbed down from the belfry, stumbled across the cow pasture toward the site of the execution, and flung herself at Cromwell's feet. Did you get the picture? She gave herself up for her fiancé. She jumped out and grabbed that huge 
tongue of that bell. And instead of it making that loud ringing sound, it was just a muffled sound as it slammed her body from one side of that bell to the other. Here's the famous poem that was written about that very incident. And her brow, laid white with sorrow, glows with hope and courage now. At his feet she told her story, showed her hands all bruised and torn, and her sweet young face so haggard with the anguish it had worn. It touched Cromwell's heart with such pity, it lit his eyes with misty light. He shall surely live, cried Cromwell. Curfew shall not ring tonight. The enemy was about to ring curfew on all of humanity, and the trap door would have opened, and we have all been plunged into hell. But God stopped that plan. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. We will shout it and exclaim it for a million years, thanking Jesus for the blood that he shed. He didn't spill it. He didn't waste it. It was shed for the forgiveness of many. Bow your heads, please. Father, we thank you, God, for the amazing grace, and that was purchased for us through the blood of your Son. We're thankful for that, God. Help us never lose sight of that. Help us never to get callous to that. Lord, help us never get cold to that. Lord, help that to be reality and vibrant within our life. Lord, I ask and pray for your Holy Spirit to minister to the hearts of every person that's here. God, if there's someone here this morning, but they've never said yes to you as Savior in their life, they've never received that cleansing blood that would cleanse them from every sin they have ever done, I ask and pray, God, for that to be a a reality today, today. In Jesus' name, amen. Curfew shall not ring tonight. Why? Here's the answer. For as much as you know, You were not redeemed with corruptible things, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. If you're here this morning, maybe as a prodigal son, maybe as a prodigal daughter, maybe as someone who you've just never, it's just, it's never become real to you. But I am hoping today that knock becomes real in your heart. I mean, it's like Ford with a better idea that it just, boom, it's just there. You know it. Hey, I, I, need, I need Jesus. The light bulbs went off. I need Jesus in my life. That blood was shed for even me. Right before I turned 16 years of age, I realized that in my life. For as much as you know, for as much as you know, it's all standing. Come on, these altars are open. If you're here this morning, you need to pray. Man, we're not a judgmental bunch here, all of us, from time to time. Got to go to the altar. So if the Spirit of God, Spirit of God knocks on your heart, what's your, what's your duty? Your duty is to respond.
hey, I'm going to push that off and just not do that. I really feel that in judgment, God will show every human being that's ever lived. We will see in more vivid detail what Jesus done on the cross. And we will all be, no matter who you are, we will all be guilty. That person that said no, guilty. That person that said yes, redeemed. Redeemed. Thank God. Come on, they sing. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Life swallowed by the pain of yesterday. Lift broken by the shame of things that I had done. Grab that person's hand next to you. If you've never been saved, grab their hand and say, come and pray with me. I may not know everything I need to know, but I know that Jesus loves me and I want salvation. Let today be the day for you. Come on. Come on, come on. Let today be your day. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your blood. Precious, precious blood. Pray with themselves. Take it upon yourself to come and pray with someone when you see someone here by themselves. Come on, anybody here, if you're here, you never said yes to Jesus. You need to respond. I'm telling you now, this is what I live for. This is my bread and butter right here. When people are willing to say yes to Jesus, that's what it's all about. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God.
I know that we're supposed to go to Fairfield, but we really need God's leading on exactly what we're supposed to do, where we're supposed to be, and uh, we don't want to make a mistake. We want to do what God's uh, leading would be, and I want to open up the altar for everybody that wants to to come forward. We want to pray for for this, and maybe you've got uh, maybe some family and friends you want to pray for as well. But uh, let's just open it up and. And let's pray for God's guidance and God's leading upon what he wants done over at Fairfield. Listen, things is never easy. I've learned that. I've learned that. So uh, you just, there's times you just kind of just got to uh, fight through and, and believe God and know that he's going to lead and guide us. So let's pray together. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. In the morning when I In the morning when I rise In the morning when I rise Give me Jesus Give me Jesus Give me Jesus
together, Haley, she came forward for Jesus today in her life, so we're proud of her. Amen. Amen. Thank you. It is our prayer that you have been blessed as you've listened to this message. If you would like to become a partner with this ministry, please contact us here at Orchardville Church. You can visit our website at orchardvillechurch.com or you can contact us by phone at area code 618-835-2677. I saw Jesus.